All right, good evening, everyone. <laughs> always, always good to be here on a Sunday evening, even when the sun's shining outside. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, so thankfully we're going to be looking at the light this evening, you know, hopefully there's a greater light, you know, radiating from us in here than there is the sunshine outside. Um, not just us, I'm talking about you. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go, Nick's, Nick's prepared. Um, but we've got, a, got an awesome theme that we're going to be continuing on this evening, looking at John chapter 1. Um, who was here last week? It's powerful way, <laughs> virtually, yeah. <laughs> it takes uh, being with you in spirit to a whole nother level, way eh, just through the technology. Um, but we had a, had a powerful time looking at in the beginning was the word, um, and we're going to be continuing this awesome theme uh, this evening, and there's, there's such um, gold here um, to, to draw out of these passages. Uh, passages. Um, and so we're going to be looking at verses 6 through to 13, so if you've got your Bible, you can can open it up. And the title in the NASB that I have here is The Witness John. And so in the first first number of verses, we hear directly about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and it's almost like there's a slight change of gear, but really it's the same car that's in in motion. We have here, there came a man sent... uh, uh, sorry, there came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. And so we're going to be looking at here at what is it, what is John saying when he says he came to testify about the light? You know, it didn't say that he came to teach about the light. It didn't say that he came to share good stories about the light, to write a narrative about the light, to even write a book in the Bible about the light. It said that he came to testify about the light. Um, so we're going to be unpacking what is this testimony that John had? And is this, is this the same testimony that we're supposed to have um, of the light of Christ? Um, so that's going to be the theme for this evening. So what I might do is I'll just read through this passage um, and then we'll just jump straight into it. We're just going to go through line by line and there's so many golden nuggets here for us to unpack. Um, so we'll do a bit of time on the panel and then we'll, um, we'll jump into groups and, and have a look at this as well. So verse 6, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Interesting passage, James. In the first verse, it says here, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. And the first, ver- the first word sorry, that grabbed me when I was looking for- at this, it says, There came a man sent 
from God. And guys, I think to me the the key thing I'd love us to to start unpacking is what does it mean to be sent by God? You know, it talks about Jesus being a sent one or apostles being sent people. It says that Jesus came from heaven to earth. And and so we see the similar theme, you know, playing out in in the body of Christ that Jesus was sent Paul was sent, Moses was sent. We see all of these men of God who were sent from God. But what does it mean to be sent from heaven to earth? Is it about being sent from one location to another? Do we need to be missionaries where we're sent from Wellington to Cambodia or Indonesia or even to some you know, location within New Zealand? What does it mean to be sent? And, and, and here the key thing that we see from Jesus is that actually being sent was not actually about location at all. So Jesus wasn't sent from the physical heaven to the physical earth, even though there was an element of truth in that. The sending that he's talking about is actually ascending from, from God's perspective and having that perspective come down to earth and manifest itself here on the earth. And so as sent ones, the body of, as the body of Christ, we're all to be those who are sent, not necessarily from location to location, but we're to be those who carry the very reality of heaven here on earth, heaven's perspective, heaven's values, heaven's priorities, that we are sent with his way of seeing and operating aliens and strangers here on earth, ambassadors of Christ. You know, down the road from my parents' house, there's the Malaysian embassy, Chris, in Brooklyn. I'm sure you've seen it before. But you see here, right in the heart of Brooklyn, Wellington, New Zealand, there's this Malaysian embassy. And it's almost like you go from Kiwi, 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 Malaysia. And the people coming in and out of Malaysia, the language that they speak is Malaysian. The, the actual foundation, the buildings themselves are Malaysian style buildings. And so here's a people that have been sent from Malaysia to, to Wellington, New Zealand to be ambassadors of an entirely different kingdom. See, these people were sent from a physical location, but they were planted here in Wellington with a completely different culture and way of being as ambassadors in that location. And as as a church, we're to be sent ones. And so we have here a man, John, who was sent from God. And so guys, I'd love us to unpack verse 6. What does it mean to be sent from God? And what is it that we see in the life of John that made him a, a, a sent one. <laughs> Look, what strikes me about this is you almost can't read that verse without reading the next two after it, where it says, He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, so the light Christ. Two things. He he could testify because he had something. Mm, I won't go there. He, um, what am I trying to say? John was clear, even though he probably didn't see in full who he was testifying about. So there's this clear distinction there. Don't look at me, or I'm an ambassador of someone greater. So his whole testimony is, look at him. (laughs) So if you see anything in me, look at him. 
That's awesome, man. It's it's interesting that you see in the verses that or the, the chapters that come after that. You know, and I think in, in John chapter three. You know, it talks about a time where then Jesus finally steps on the scene in the flesh, you know, and, and, and there's a dialogue that's going on because all of John's disciples for a time are then going to follow Jesus, hey, you know? And, the, and the, I'll, I'll, I'll read you this because that's really interesting. He says, um, there, was a, there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with the Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves know that I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy has been uh, just joy has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. Hey, you know, and and interesting that we that, that we have here. You know, John and all of his flock, all of his disciples are now going to Jesus, and John because of you know his his ability or his what's what is inside of him that he's not actually in it for himself he's in it to testify of the one coming who was the light actually doesn't care that all of his followers are more focused on the true light than they are on him and his ministry and his ability and who he is and he's perfectly comfortable because he said ultimately the bride belongs to the bridegroom you know it's actually not about me and who I am it's everything to do with who he is and actually I'm just the one who's here to testify and give witness of the person that I know because you're to know him too you know and so in testifying he's not drawing a attention to himself he's actually given glory to the one that he knows because ultimately it's not about his ministry or about people seeing who he is it's about them coming to to know him and to be able to testify of of the true light that they can see and know themselves hey you know so oh sorry that's john chapter 3 uh verse 27 onwards the challenge in all this is a sent one is sent with a sent word. And we, as you read all of one, you see God sends and man sends. And so you've got these two dimensions. You get the one that man sends and you get the one that God sends. And they're very different. So, And you see that, you see that today in the church. You get man putting man in position. And you see God putting man in position. And they're very different. Like they're darkness and light. And so John is a sent one, but he has a sent word. And one who is sent is empowered with that sent word. And that sent word is going to do a work. But you have to know the word. You see, so what defines being sent is what comes before it with 1 John 1 to 4. Because this word's eternal. So man can't send man with an eternal word because man is earthy. It's God that sends man with an eternal word and he puts that word in man. So John is the recipient of the sent word. So he speaks of a sent message, which man can't do. And that's the difference between those who preach the sent word and the other who just preaches words. One is full of power and life. It's the eternal word which builds 
The other one is just empty words. And you have to be able to discern the difference between the two because any one of you can get up and speak words, but that's not a sent one. You need to be able to get up and preach a sent word with power through revelation. So John is the one who is sent, and as Sam's saying, the oneness in all this is profound. So Jesus is sent. Jesus sends. God sends. The one he sends comes with a sent word of power to testify. You can't testify of a word you don't know. You can teach of words, but you can't testify of the light, the eternal word, which is what the church needs to be built. Anyone can get up and teach. That's why it's not John came to teach. John testified of the light that was in him because that light in him was the light he was testifying about, the Christ. And so this is the importance in the narrow way of the sent reality. But what you see in all of this and in today is man's version or God's version. And that's why we must be the recipient of God's version. And God sends men and women to the church, correct? To see the church built, equipped. So what happens if you reject the sent one with a sent word? And, and if you don't receive the word, what's not happening to you? You won't be built. Because you reject the word that's going to build you because you don't understand the kingdom pattern of design. And as it says in Luke, sent ones get killed. So God would send his sent ones with the sent word and earth would kill them because the sent word is heavenly and it requires something that an earthly word doesn't. Change. Transformation. And yet that's where the life is. So the oneness and the unity and all that is essential. Um, and so, yeah, you know, that, that word apostolos, apostolic, that sent one, which is a first. But we're all called to have the sent word. We're all called to testify of a sent word. What's that? The transformation that's happening in you. So when you receive the sent word and it goes to work and it performs a work in you, now you testify of the sent word. You've become one with the sent word. And I'm just looking at verse 33 there where John talks about that process of him recognising Christ. He says, I did not recognise him, but he who sent me to baptise in water said to me. So, And this is that process, right? And then a sent one says, and we recognise through revelation from what was said. And I, uh, and I love that, you know, when you talk about a sent word, it's a, it's a sent word from a sent person. You know, it's not, it's not just the, it's not just the word. It's not just, you know, you, it's just you, and then you get a download from God and, and deliver it. You know, while that is that is all good, but you see in, in John, you know, like he he had become the word that he was speaking. You know, like, and, and you see. You know, he's he's out in the wilderness. His life, 
his life is a demonstration having received the word so that when he speaks it, it's, it's not just a concept or idea, it's something that he's received and, and something that he's become, you know. And to me that's a position of authority, you know, is that speaking from authority, of the, the word has actually gone to work in you and you're not expecting something from someone else or a kind of response from the person you're speaking to if it's not something that God has actually done in you as well, you know. So you're never void of the process. You're not trying to, you know, take the plank out of someone else's eye. You're actually you. You can speak because he's done that in you, and he wants to replicate that same word in, in others. You know. So. And the challenge is, is coming into this position of oneness. Who is the word? Christ. Yeah. So what Sam is saying is, you're not becoming a god. Because people could even argue what Sam says. Are you saying that you're becoming the word, like you're becoming God? No, but we are becoming Christ-like because the word is Christ. See, So when Paul said, Paul said, I preach him, the word. So when Paul spoke, he's not speaking words, he's speaking Christ. It's the manifestation of Christ coming out of Paul. So I preach him. He says, we release the fragrance of the knowledge of him. So to be able to do that, you must have received him. You must be receiving him because anyone can get up and teach words about Jesus. And this is the subtleness, but they're very different, like extremely different. And this is why you have to be able to hear and go, is the word being spoken? Not based on someone getting up and going, John 1.1. 1, 1. Oh, the word was spoken today. No. No, words were spoken, but the word wasn't spoken. Christ was not spoken. Him, the fragrance of him, it was just a knowledge about a person, but not actually the person manifesting. Because he's the word. He's the power. He's the wisdom. He's the hope. He's the love. So that's why it's got nothing to do with intellectualism. That's right. It's about a person who's sent, who's got a sent word, who communes with God, and wherever you go, you release God through the vessel called the church. See, we're carriers of the word, but I'm not God, but I'm called to be Christ-like. So when I open my mouth, I'm not just teaching, I'm testifying of the word. So it's the word that's imparted into Shirley. So if Shirley's spirit is soft and fertile and she can hear and receive and understand, then growth. But it's all of the spirit. And that's the oneness in Christ. Christ in me, me in Christ. I will not speak, and you, I will not speak anything that is not revealed, because you don't need that. I don't know whether it's Him. I will only speak what I have a revelation of, because that's the Word. Your job is to hear that Word, receive that Word, accept that Word, believe that Word, so it performs a work in you. One Thessalonians two thirteen to fourteen. So when the man or the woman comes and speaks, do you believe they're speaking the word of God on behalf of God or is it just Greg grabbing it on? 
however you're going to hear and receive it will determine whether that has the impact. If you just think it's me rabbiting on, then that's how you'll receive it. But if you receive it as, no, no, Greg's been sent, empowered with a word for us, that changes the way you're ready. You're like this, come on, man, give me this food source, and vice versa, because then you and I are supposed to be that for others. So we have to be that for one another. So although there is a ranking, because there is a ranking in the kingdom, yeah, John even says that, there's one who has a higher ranking than me that's coming, and there's a ranking in the kingdom, apostle first, prophet second, teacher third. So there's a ranking. It's not one's better than the other, but it's a ranking of order, and we're to flow in the order. If you don't understand the order, then you'll reject the order, which means you're rejecting God. You reject God, the word of God, then you're not going to change, are you? Because the very thing you need to change, which is sent from God for you, you're going, no thanks, and it says you will stay in your form of godliness because you deny the power. The word is power. So to not know any of this means we're hardly going to grow because when it turns up, we'll reject it all. Because it doesn't come the way you think it comes. And this is why humility has to be the first place beatitude because you'll reject it. And what you'll probably say is this, who does that Simnel think he is? Who does Sam think he is? Who do you think you are? A nobody. I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. I hope you can hear. But I know I've got an apostolic gift on my life. John knew he was the, what, greatest prophet of the old. But he didn't tell you that. Why? Because he knew what he was facing. And this is our challenge, guys. And all that is in oneness. So you and I are to be carriers to testify of an eternal word, which is Jesus Christ. It's, it's interesting because in, in Proverbs it says that humility comes before honor. Hey, you know, and and to me like, there's there's such a there's such a tightrope there because God sends people. But if you, if you can't recognize who they are, you can't honor them, but it requires humility to be able to honor. And so sometimes the things that God gives, the very thing you need to be able to do is honor the person and the gift on the person, but you actually can't unless you have humility in you to be able to do that. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's like, it's almost like there needs to be some sort of like divine interaction where you become humble and then you can finally honour the person who was always given for your benefit. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, and and so th- th- there's something in this for us that actually requires us to receive the word. Like it needs to be Him who does that in us for us to have any hope of being able to to actually honour and recognise those who He gives, so that we can actually participate in what it is that He's given. Hey, you know, so. Should we move on to the next verse? All right, verse 7. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Do you have anything you want to say? Otherwise, Greg can... uh, He loves it, you know, You're bursting, Greg. Take us away, mate. Kick us off. Once again, I just think it's this massive difference between what we're raised in, you know, and it speaks to testimony 
or teach. Um, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So what is a testimony? When you testify, and what does that mean? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So it's all finished. Everything that's been accomplished in Christ, the testimony of what Jesus has done is the spirit in which one speaks. So you're speaking from a finished work. You're not teaching. You're testifying of what he's doing in you. You testify of what he has done, and he's done it all. So this is the power of really sharing with another, is that you're not teaching them about a guy called Jesus who died on a cross, who died and rose again for their sin, which many people have no reference for. They look at you like, well, that's good, mate, but who cares? Like, I'm being serious. Who cares? I don't care. That is no reference for me because I can't even hear. I have no reality, okay? But when you testify of the work of what Jesus did from you being changed, that's a whole different dimension because that lost person can see it. They can hear it. It's manifesting forth from you. So you're testifying of what he's done in you, not what he did on a cross 2,000 years ago. You're testifying... And it's the spirit of prophecy. You're prophesying what he's doing. See, you're proclaiming. You know what? I used to struggle with depression. And I've been set free. I haven't, but I'm just using that as a thing. Okay? God healed me of my depression. Have you struggled with depression? Yeah. Well, let me testify of the healing power of Jesus Christ. I used to be a person that was highly anxious and worried a lot. Let me share with you how this person, Jesus, the word, has changed me on the inside and I no longer struggle with worry and anxiety. They can't rob that from you. Now, if they're in your life and they've witnessed that, you're a walking demonstration of truth. See, you're becoming Christ's light. They're watching your life and if they know you from who you were to who you are now, they go, that's right, because I've watched you and you actually are free of those things that you used to be entangled in. That is a testimony, isn't it? But you can teach about being set free. You can teach, but they want to see it. See, the word manifested in front of them. They touched it. It was in front of them. You could eat with him. You could speak with him. But he has to enter into you for that word to be in you. It didn't matter while it stayed out here, but when it goes from here and here, and you testify, you prophesy, you speak forth life into the earth, now... The Holy Spirit grabs hold of that sucker and he goes to work because it's the word of God that he's waiting to activate coming out of the vessel called the church who Jesus has healed because he came to what? Heal the brokenhearted. He came to set the captive free. Who did he come to first? Israel. They rejected him. Then he turned to the Gentile and said, do you want to get healed? Now, we'll just do what the Israelite do and tell everyone about you. No, I want you to testify about me and you and you and me. I want you to give living prophecy of what I'm doing in you on a change of transformation. Some of, some of that can be a real challenge for someone who's not spiritual. Like you can really take that the wrong way. I mean, because I know that words have power and the authority of words. 
Yeah. Some, some people are not able to cope with that kind of authority that you can speak things that they know nothing about and they're going to resist that totally. That's exactly right. And that's what we've been talking about, eh? And that can happen in and out of the church. But that's not just a non-Christian, that's a Christian. Because they have no reference for the reality of what you're talking because it's eternal. And you didn't find it, it found you through you seeking. So you have something that's concealed but revealed in you that God wants to do in others, but it's foreign to what they know yet. And so that's the challenge because when he turns up, the Bible says everyone rejected him. Like nobody comprehended Christ when he rocked up. And he came to enlighten the heart of every man. Imagine being Jesus. Just put yourself in his shoes. Like, you're at the beginning of time with the Father and the Spirit, and you are the one that the world has come through. And so humanity has been chosen in you before they even knew who they were. The story's written, and you come up to save mankind, but mankind doesn't know it needs saving, and it doesn't recognize you, and it ultimately puts you on a cross and kills you. And all you've done is love mankind. Because mankind had no knowledge of you because mankind is earthy and earthly. And you walk this life on this planet for most of your life for three and a half years and no one even knows who you are. But they think they do because they've got some scriptures about you. But when you turn up and speak, they end up rejecting you or don't comprehend you. And you can still love because you're the eternal word. That's who we're called to be. Like that's who we are called to be, to walk in the manner that no one gets you. But all of a sudden you find your own kind. And they may be here and they may not be here. They may live in Africa, they may live in England, you might meet them somewhere, but they know and you know you're of my kind. I'm amongst all these people, but no one's of my kind. They don't even get me. They don't understand me. They don't understand what I say. But you... Because it's not about words, it's about the word. And this is the life he lived. And so imagine that. Imagine turning up and you're being rejected. No one gets you. But you still love and you still share. And you're still releasing this eternal word because you hope all things. You believe all things. You endure all things. That's right. You died for these, these things because of the substance that's in you. And he wants that substance in you and I. So we can just imitate the way he lived. Not copy, because you can't copy it. It's an imitating. And that's what John, Paul, Peter, they eventually came into, James, this true union because of this true word that was in them. And so they testified. So the spirit of prophecy, this work that Jesus had done in them, just came... And that's why the flesh got so angry. Because it's actually starting to expose something. in a people that thought they had it down. There's so much going on internally. There's a sense of change, but not quite there. And just shut your mouth all the time. Because it's not, we're talking about, I don't know, I don't even know how to put into words. Yeah, just shut your mouth. 
because I'm not in the life of or I haven't got the power of, which means I'm cheapening anything, if I was to say anything, anything more. Yeah, I, and I think, like, it's it's not necessarily, like, shut your mouth, you know, but it's just it's just that, in, like, you're, you know, you, you're, you're fully aware of the, of the true state that you're in, and so, you know, you're quick to hear and slow to speak, you know, it, and so there's a, there's a verse I know that I feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to me a long, a long time ago when I was growing up, I'll just, I'll just find it because I think it's really relevant, um, You don't have, you know, it's it's getting out of having a need to speak for the sake of it, you know. And I, there's, there's a verse here, and it's in Lamentations, it says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It's good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It's good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent, since he has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. Perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the to the smitter. Let him be filled with reproach, for the Lord will not reject forever. If he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant love and kindness. You know, and I, and I think to me, there's something in here in Lamentations where he's saying, you know. Um, the Lord is my portion, and then he goes in to say, you know, um, it, it's like, um, you know, let him sit alone and be silent. Um, let him put his mouth in the dust. You know, it's it's acknowledging that actually the position that I'm in, it's better to actually sit and receive than it is to spurt out a whole lot of stuff that may or may not be him. You know, so it's to me, it's it's a heart that's hungry to know him and to receive from him and that you would only speak what it is that he has done in you because to me it's just being honest and real about what what he's done you know as opposed to just trying to puff up something that he may may or may not have you know and I think there's nothing wrong with sharing where you're at do you know what I mean so it's there's nothing wrong with with just articulating it in a way that saying this is where I'm at and then you be quiet. Do you know what I mean? So it's that duality thing. So it's not that we don't speak, but it's actually about, I only want to say what's eternal. And if I've got nothing eternal that hasn't been revealed, then I'm not going to speak because it's just me and it's my interpretation. It may be technically correct. So you might be able to describe what love is, but really it's it's. It's good, but it's not life. And I remember God saying this to me years ago, and I've shared this, when he said, Sim will give me something to work with. You know, and it's quite offensive, isn't it? You thought, oh, I thought I was giving you a lot to work with. He goes, I know you did. <laughs> you know? It's like, I know you thought you were giving me heaps to work with, but I'm telling you, give me something. Well, what does that mean? So then he shows you about this. A man can receive nothing unless it's given him. 
you know, through revelation, which is an operating system, which is like, well, what does that look like? Well, let me show you what that looks like. And so like it says, you know, in the beginning, the Holy Spirit is hovering. And so he's hovering. And he hovers in us and right now. He's hovering. He's always here hovering. And what's he doing? He's waiting. He's waiting to hear what? God speak. And God speaks directly to us, spirit to spirit, and he speaks through man to us. So he's waiting either way to activate the word that's spoken, but it must be the eternal word. See, so out of my mouth must come the eternal. It must be revelation. I will only speak because he taught me this and corrected me what is of him that has been given to me. Outside of that. Yeah, yeah. So the posture I come before God is as a child to learn, teach me. So I come willing to receive. But as Sam said, see, if I don't have the spirit of humility, then it's pride coming before God because I haven't yet been smashed on a rock and had pride broken. So I still think I know some things. And then that can actually get me in trouble because when the one who speaks who I don't think either has the word should be speaking speaks, I just go, whatever. And yet actually God uses the one more often than not that we never think he's going to use. You know, 1 Corinthians. He takes the things that aren't and makes them the things that are to confuse all the people that think there's someone who are nothing but are full of pride. And so it's that wrestle. And yet it's okay to acknowledge and go, I'm on a journey and I've really got no understanding what it is to really know the word, but I'm here and I'm hungry. So as a child, Lord, help me and show me. And we do that together and individually. So then we all come into this reality. Because once again, it's, it's something we're all to be ultimately able to demonstrate because you're all going to go to your workplaces tomorrow. You're going to go to school. You're going to go to different places. You're going to be at the garage. You're going to be somewhere and people who are lost who are just walking around, God might say, I've got a sent word for you, Helen, and I want you to go deliver it. I remember um, in this transition time through a lot of last year and the year before where he was really crushing in me this, you know, what we've been talking about is this function first way of being for him and nothing was making sense. And I remember him saying to me one day, um, suddenly the girl who's always had an answer for everything is lost for words. And it was this, I heard nothing in it but his delight in me. It wasn't a rebuke. It was this place of literally, I could speak in sentences before I turned one. I've always had an answer for everything. And it was just this place of literally that where whatever you asked me, basically, I had nothing to say. And what he was doing, though, and I think the other piece here, because then as you come through that, you're like, what a muppet, <laughs> you know, like 10 years of thinking it was something and it wasn't. And him saying to me, don't despise the wrestle. Don't despise what that was because that was me too. But it was a transition from being able to, um, from knowing and being able to articulate the works of Christ, the things which is part of what you're talking about, right? But the massive change he had made in my life here, my marriage is different, this is different, that's different, to, to knowing the eternal Christ, the great I am, 
And he does things, but that's, it's almost like my, because the before and after was so dramatic in terms of the things he had done in my life, I was blind to the fact that I hadn't entered into his life. And so to me, this is what this here is also speaking to. It is what Greg's spoken about, but it comes from this place of going, he is the great I am. He always was, he always will be. And so you might say the same words, um, but it's different. So it's, yes, that's what I'm saying, but that place of going actually, like Greg says, both say where you're at, but also don't be like, I don't know anything about Jesus. It's not that. (laughs) It's that he's bringing you into his life. But do know the about and the of are different. So I'm I'm not sure if I heard Joe correctly, but I'm going to just challenge what she just said and love and go, it's not about knowing about because you that's that's still intellectual knowledge. It's not wrong, yeah, but we need to. The only knowledge that changes you is a living knowledge that's through revelation, yeah. and that's why it becomes so confronting. Because if you've been brought up, let's say, in church life and Christianity and all those things, so you have a lot of knowledge about. But if you have no revelation, it's not a knowledge that's life-changing you, so you're not able to live out the knowledge you know in your head. And that's the problem. And depending on who you are, what happens is when a person or the spirit turns up and goes, that knowledge you have isn't true knowledge. It's good knowledge, but it's not true knowledge. That can be really confronting and can be really upsetting. And this is what you're seeing in the scriptures when he turned up and stood in front of the Sanhedrin. So he went straight to the top of the top of a people group that were so out of alignment, it wasn't funny, but didn't know they were. And it's no different today because it's like he goes to the teacher and says, how come you don't know this stuff? How long have I been with you and you don't know me? And so it's like, you know, when he turns up and they say, we found the Messiah, the one that it's written about. They don't know he's the Messiah when they say that. Because in the next breath, they keep asking him, who are you? Like, why does Jesus ask them, who am I? Because they all thought he was the son of who? Joseph, David of this lineage so supposedly this guy Jesus was the son of Joseph now he's saying I'm the Messiah because he was he always was they just didn't know so they go we found the Messiah and the next breath well do you know who he is like and that's the evidence of intellectual knowledge versus revelational knowledge one their behavior doesn't match up with what they know does it and that's why the behavior is the evidence of your true knowledge because true knowledge empowers true behavior. That's right. Head knowledge doesn't. As technically correct as that might be through knowing Hebrew, it does not enable you to live life. And that's what Christianity is about, period. 
and that's why it's so offensive to everything in the world because in the world it's about head knowledge that creates power that enables you to lord it over people in your industry and so you get set up as the king of king the top pin and you fight to keep that position because everyone needs you because you're the one with the knowledge now in Christ the opposite you're the bottom of the pile Uh, what yeah you're the bottom of the pile but you've got power in you to lift everything up. You're the scum on everybody's shoe. I don't want to be that. Well, then don't be a follower of Jesus. See? So this whole role reversal, because of the knowledge you carry, which you can only get, a man cannot receive anything. Like anything is anything. And what that does, it births humility. So when that's been revealed in you, it births humility. So now all of a sudden, everyone in the room is humble in spirit because we now know the only way we're going to come into life is through revelation. The one and only way. Now I can say that till I'm blue in the face and then we'll all leave and try and come into life through the mind again. But when he shows you, you stop. Revelation is a massive thing, whether it's the size of a mustard seed or it's the size of a pineapple. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We grow big, big pineapples in Campbell, and I'm telling you. That's why I wear them all the time. See where you know the shirts come from? <laughs> So would you say, I feel like there's a, in my life, there's been an um, experiential knowledge of him, which is the kind of him directing my life piece. So, you know, behave this way, behave that way. So it's kind of has been him, but it's governed my functioning, if you know what I mean. So my behaviour has changed, which has changed my life externally. Um, so it's... I wouldn't call it head knowledge. I'd call it um, day-to-day instruction of the Lord. So it's kind of coming from this place of, um, okay, I won't. Well, let's not worry about where it's coming from. Um, compared to this, the way I describe it is, it's he entered my life and he started directing my life and my behaviour, um, and I thought that was the beginning and the end of Christianity, and things were changing. Um, however, what was changing was really my behaviour when I decided to listen to him compared to what I think you're describing, which is when he enters and says, this is, shows you who he is, and in light of who he is, I don't, yeah, it's different. <laughs> That's all I can say. So it's, it becomes about, it's, yep. you become or you know that you're joined to him, and so there is this yes. oneness um, inner life yep. that is just of a different character to that. But yes. they're both, I would say in both cases, he was in my life, but in the second, I was unaware that I wasn't in his. I thought it was yes. 
<laughs> yes. I thought there was only one thing. Yes. Uh, and I think that comes back to you know, the, some of the words that we've used to describe in the last number of months is hearing his voice yes. and hearing his word. You know, they're two very different kinds of hearing. Both are right and both yep. are him. But the, the one, like you said, is, is directional and functional and we need it. But the other one is formational, you know, that you, you hear his word and it actually changes you. And it doesn't mean that hearing his voice yeah. is less or wrong. It just, it's, it's just there's a one and a two, hey, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. But it is in my life, it was, that was the hoodwink. Mm. Yes. Was that, no, Absolutely. I do hear his voice. I heard him here and this happened and there and that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that's the position that many Christians are in, is I, okay, hear his voice, go give that person $10. Yeah. Cool. But I'm not internally, eternally changed from that. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the abiding life comes in, yeah. the eating and the drinking of himself. And so there's that formational life, literally like you eat and drink natural, is what that abiding is. And, and it's so twofold, it's, isn't it? He says, you abide in me, I abide, abide in you. In and then he says, you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Yeah. So, there's this. And so you're becoming completely one with God, and you're growing in that. So it's a growing thing, a maturing thing. It's not like you arrive, it's like... It enter, you enter into it, it enters into you, and then it becomes, I'm going to perfect you in unity. So I'm going to perfect you in Christ in me, you in Christ, us in God. And you're not gods, but you're becoming Christ-like. Then from there, which is continuous with your other position, I hear and I'm, I'm going. So it's a duality, which is one posture. And I think that, to me, the danger is to stay in posture number one, which is always supposed to be posture, you know, to stay forever and only hearing his voice for directional and functional things is to miss out ultimately, potentially, on what it is that he's calling us to, that we're to enter into. It has to do with his eternal purpose, you know. And and to me, the, the question of, you know, for example... What, what is God's will for my life, to repeatedly ask that and expect that his direction is to do with a job or a ministry or something that we're involved in, to, to me is, you know, that, that's where the danger is, is that, it, that we are continually looking for something outside of him, to, you know, to, to be that thing, you know, um, and, we can, and we miss ultimately what the entire purpose of the gospel is, which is Christ being formed in us, you know? So Correct. Would you, would you say both are revelation? Both are eternal. Yep. And you and so you I go both are eternal. So the eternal Christ himself, the Spirit, speaks to me about giving you ten bucks. The eternal reveals within me the food source of heaven, the eternal. So I obviously am tuning in to the eternal source, the spirit, God himself, but the work is different. So they're both eternal, um, but one does something the other doesn't do. Is that
it's sort of, if I, I use James and John as an example. Okay, so when James and John in Luke 9 are walking with Jesus and Jesus wants to go through Samaria and the Samaritans say, nah. And so James and John, what's their response? Call down fire. Okay, so they want to burn the Samaritans because they're not getting their way. Okay, and what does Jesus say to them? You do not know something. What don't they know? What spirit they are of? What spirit are they of? Satan. Demonic. Flesh. They're not demon-possessed, but their operating system is fleshly. It's demonic wisdom. So they don't have the capacity to live out what they're supposed to be living out. But then, as you can read through Scripture, then they're actually preaching the kingdom and laying hands on people and casting out demons. But in that moment, they're in a realm. See, there's no formation because Christ is not yet in them. Okay, It says in John, look, it actually says, uh, but you know him, meaning the Holy Spirit, because he abides with you and will be in you. Will be. He's not when he's walking with them, but he will be. So you don't know, guys, what spirit you're of. He's rebuking them in love. Love is covering that rebuke. And then he says, I've come to save. What are you doing? See? So these are the tensions. So now the more you eat and drink, that never comes out of you. Okay? And that's where obedience will flow from that place of love, love the Lord. I can. Okay? Now at the same time, while that's happening, there is an obedience that's required where he might ask you to do something. And so there's that obedience as well. So it's multi-layered and multifaceted, but it's all a position of one. And that's what makes it quite tricky to grasp because we're talking about three or four different things, but it all comes back to a position of one, which ultimately is in him, which is what Joe's saying. It's like you receive the Spirit, okay? We're, we're 2,000 years. You receive the Spirit within you. If that has genuinely happened through the power of revelation, now you have to get in him for that complete abiding to happen. Now the thing is you can hear his voice. You're my beloved daughter, much I am well pleased and I am beloved. And you go, oh, that's amazing. But then you go live as a slave. That's crazy, eh? Like I hear his voice, I hear the word of encouragement, I feel good, but then I can't live that out. I can't live that word out, but I've heard it because I'm not eating and drinking the food source called the bread of life. And that's what I need to be able to live out what I just heard. And it's all through revelation. The entire thing is built on the revelation of Jesus Christ. I, God, am the builder of the church. Okay? And I, God, build a church that the gates of hell don't overpower. See, that one sentence, if the church got revelation of that, the church would be revolutionized. One sentence through revelation. You would not hear, it's my church. You would not hear, we build the church. You would not hear the things we hear and the things we live out because you've got revelation of it, which changes everything. And what it does, it aligns you in an alignment to him, which is a very narrow way. But now you find yourself being able to demonstrate what he said. 
And that's the beauty of it. And so none of us have a knowledge of God without revelation. And he tells you that. He says this, if you're going to tell me you know me, then love me as I have instructed. And if you tell me you know me and can't, you are a liar. Now, I love liars, and I love you. And I don't tell you a lie to hurt you. I tell you you're a liar because you need that much of a to awaken you up from something you think you're in that you're not. And then you just go have a look at it. 1 John 2, 1 John 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. And there's a pattern. And he actually then tells you what it is to abide in him and what you can do if you abide in him. And what you can't do if you're not in him. Once again, it's there as a guide to show us where we are really at. Because outside of Revelation, it's all, it's all us. It's all our energy, time, effort. And let's be honest, we build the system really, really well. Mate, we know how to build the temple. We're the experts at building a man-centered, led temple all through the strategy and systems of man using his name. Now, he loves us and he works with us, but that's not him. And we have to know the difference, guys. You have to know, because when God showed me this, he said this with a warning. So I saw myself falling outside of the institutional church. And I said, was I in that? He said, it wasn't in you, but you were help building it. Why? Because you didn't have knowledge. And that's what he said to me. You didn't know my way in which I did and I build. You know me, but you don't know my way. And he taught me through looking at Peter. In Matthew 16, it's in all the Gospels, who do you say that I am? And then they have that conversation, and he was having this conversation with me. And then the next breath, he then says this. So he taught them he was going to Jerusalem to die. And that's when Peter gets up in his face, because he doesn't know the way of God. And God said to me, Greg, you know me, but you never knew my way. And so you were helped building the system that man built. But that wasn't your intent, because you thought you were doing the right thing. And that's why God looks at the heart of a man or a woman. He sees the heart. Your intent was beautiful. You thought you were actually doing it, and it was in me, but it wasn't. Then when he showed me, I'm like, repentance. You don't go, I need to repent. You find yourself repenting because love is covering, and he's showing you his way. You can't help but repent. And it's a beautiful process to come on your knees before God and then receive the life of that repentance. So then when I got up, what am I going to do with that now? Because I'm seeing a house that I've been part of building, which is out of alignment. And that's when he said, I'm going to dismantle it. But I started with you. Now I'm going to dismantle the rock. And a whole lot of people, if you were here, went, yes, amen, until it went, knock, knock, knock. And so... And then a whole lot of people walked away, not knowing what they're walking away from, or they said yes to it. So when prophecy, be careful. When prophecy is prophesied, be careful if you say yes, because it will come and knock on your door, and the worst thing is then you can say no, because you were unaware of what you were saying yes to when you said yes. 
because you lacked discernment because it sounded good and it was a big rally or whatever. So this is our challenge. Outside of Revelation, you and I have nothing like nada. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You have nothing of an eternal substance in you apart from what I'm going to put in you. So seek me with all your heart. Get on your knees. Do anything I tell you to do because I am the giver of life. It's me. I'm the bread of life and I want you to eat me. Outside of that, we're still earthly, covered, but we will not be able to live an eternal life. And we will not be one and we will not love one another. Okay, well then let me put it this way. Revelation causes manifestation. Manifestation causes a demonstration. So if we're talking about true biblical revelation, we will be demonstrating the revelation because it's one and the same kind. Okay, Ryan? So you can't say I'm getting revelation and not demonstrating the reality of God because they are all linked. It's not three separate things. It's one thing. Like I said there, revelation leads to repentance. Repentance leads to life because it says if I biblically repent... Not because I'm sorry for the world, but I'm godly sorry. There's a life that comes. So in everything God is, there's a corresponding life. And the innate thing is I live it out. So if I'm getting revelation upon revelation, then I will be speaking the word of heaven. Correct. I will be so Christ-like, going from brightness to brightness. And... And I think so often it can be easy to define to, to think that revelation is something other than it is. That it just just because God is maybe speaking or doing something, or you're reading the scriptures, it doesn't necessarily a hundred percent of the time translate to actually you've received Him in a way that's changed you. You know, and and that to me is, is a is a big difference because there's a lot of you know like. Christians with with such well-meaning intent that are that are reading and investing in discipleship group and are doing all the right things, and even hearing from God like we were talking about hearing His word, but there's there's the defining criteria for revelation is that you are actually changed and becoming like Him, you know, and and so to, I think that's what you're saying, Greg, and 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 one John, you know, it's like to, to say that you. Know that you know God, but don't love your brother. You're actually a liar because you cannot know God and not love your brother. Those those two are so completely inseparable that he's saying to have one to, to say that you have this, and the outcome and expression and demonstration of your life is not that. Then there's an issue, you know. Um, and so it's not it's not two separate things. It's the the one thing, you know. Which is why we need revelation, isn't it? That, that's right. See, that's the way. That's what brings you into that place of oneness that you are. And it, the thing is, it, it, it's like, it's so innate. Like, it's so innate. Like, it goes beyond even the mind. It just is. So just like we are in the flesh, it is in the spirit. Like, just think of Christ, you know? Like, you know we talk about putting on the armor of God. This is a classic. Like, think of Christ and go, can you see Christ getting up in the morning and going, oh, well, I've got to put on the armor of God this morning? Like, no, you know? 
and we talk about helmets as if we're using a helmet. It's the mind of God. It's not the... It's, it actually, you do this, you receive him and now he's on you. You never, thank you, you never take it off because you never take him off because he's on you. Now he grows in you. Okay, so there is that. And so I'm growing in Christ. I'm growing in the mind of Christ. I'm growing in the heartbeat of Christ. I'm growing in the declaration and the testimony of Christ. So I'm maturing and I'm growing through revelation of the Holy Spirit, who is the one that is engraving Christ on my heart and my mind because he's in me. He's literally become my teacher. So I'm not the one creating revelation. I'm receiving the word which he's revealing because he's showing, and it's all an act of supernatural work. It's a supernatural gospel. This gospel has nothing to do with the natural. See, it's all supernatural And of course, over the years, we've dumbed it down so we can try and grasp it. It's something that happens in you and to you all the time. And then you're the recipient who's able to demonstrate something. And that's what confounds everybody and yourself because you go, I don't know how I can love everybody, but I'm loving everybody and it's amazing. And you know that you're the recipient of something you haven't done. And see, pride hates that. It hates it because it goes, where's my part in that? Your part is death. I think I'll go somewhere else. See? And it removes itself. But it needs to get on that cross. And this is the true gospel, guys. This is the gospel of power. And that's what Paul's saying, you know? Don't let your faith rest on what? The wisdom of man. What is it to rest on? The power of God. Like, there's a warning. Why is Paul saying that? He knows. It was his. He rested on his own knowledge to know the law and the Torah. He knows where it got him. But he didn't at one stage, did he? So how does he go from that to that? Revelation. 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 How did Peter know? That, the, that Jesus was the Messiah. Revelation. Flesh and blood did not, flesh and blood can't reveal this to you. Now, the thing is, flesh and blood can speak revelation, but flesh and blood cannot reveal the word. Okay, so I can speak the revealed word, that's my part and our part. And so it, it's, it doesn't matter wherever it is, okay? So we're all in this, and we're in two positions all at once. Okay, so right now we're speaking and you're hearing. So our role is to speak the revealed word. Your role is to hear. Yeah? Tomorrow you might be speaking the word. And then you're hoping the person who's listening is hearing the word. So you're always in and out of these positions. Yeah? But you need to know which position you're in when you're in it because if you're too busy, ba 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 and you should be what? Quick to hear but you're ba 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 then you're not hearing the word which is what you need to be able to live like the word and I, I feel like that's good yeah. <laughs> I just feel like you're, t- you're touching on something that's so you know dynamic you know and, and I think like the, this thing of 
revelation being the only entry point, you know, because to me this is something I feel like I've wrestled with so much in in that, you know, we we started off this conversation by talking about teaching and testifying, you know, and and to me it's like as someone who has a value for teaching, there's, there's such a, it's so dynamic in the sense that even the best teaching that brings to light and the most incredible, um, amazing, even Holy Spirit-inspired way does not have necessarily the ability to bring revelation, you know? It's only, that's what I mean. But I mean, the the message itself can be inspired, but even the most inspired, even Jesus' words themselves didn't have the ability to do in them what needed to happen. It had to be the word of God itself, the Holy Spirit, bringing it to light inside that person. So what does that mean in in our in, in our gatherings? You know, it's like, and and to me, this is this is what it, it takes all human ability, even divinely empowered ability, out of the equation and puts the outcome directly on Him and not on us. Hey, you know, because. Um, we can we can preach and teach and do all of that, create environments, and yet we are still utterly and totally dependent on the Holy Spirit to take that and to do it a divine internal work in us and in and, and in whoever who's actually present in that environment. Hey, you know, and and, and that is the most. It can either be the most infuriating or the most freeing thing possible, right? You know, sometimes I hear things from Gary like, come on, you know, which to me is, what else can you do but yet, but but release the... The, the sense of magnitude of what it is that he wants to convey and yet actually be totally unable to do that work in someone, you know? Um, we were talking in our, in our discussion group um, last Sunday, Sunday night, we were talking about, you know, that it's the, uh, the anger of God doesn't achieve, uh, sorry, the anger of man doesn't achieve the righteousness of God, you know? And that there's nothing that we can say, even to the point of, try, of getting angry, to actually produce righteousness in someone else, you know? And yet, because when we're doing that, we're stepping over the line from our role, which is to testify into his role, which is actually to change us, you know? And so we have to wrestle with these things, and each one, each one of us has a responsibility before God. To be honest, the responsibility is as great when you're sitting in the seat as you are on the panel, because actually if it's about all of our growth it's not about how good the presentation is it's about as a family are we engaging in what it is that he's doing and collectively being changed you know and so I love that this is not just a we share you listen but actually we're all actively engaged because ultimately we all want the same thing right to be conformed to his image and to become like him yeah and, and the more you know him and his, let's say his limitations on earth as a man, you'll understand your own role. Yeah. So Jesus couldn't bring revelation to man when he was on earth as man and God. Hence it was his father that revealed to Peter. Okay, Because he can't give revelation. 
he can speak revelation in that state, but he can't actually. That's exactly what Sam's saying. Okay, now let me read you this. I have many more things to say to you now. This is Jesus, okay, to his disciples, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of Truth, comes. He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. He will. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he, Holy Spirit, takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Now, here's the most amazing thing. We live in a time where we firstly don't need man because we have the Holy Spirit. And Jeremiah prophesied there will come a time when no one will need man to tell them to know God because they will all know God because they will have the Holy Spirit as their teacher. And the Holy Spirit will disclose all things. He will take what's of the Father, which is what Jesus taught, because Jesus was only speaking the Father's truth, and the Holy Spirit will disclose it. And you see in other passages where Jesus said, those who love me, me and the Father, will come and make our abode in them. And he will disclose all things to them. So man then becomes secondary. He's still needed, and when I say man, I mean man and woman, but they're not first. And yet, what have we done in the body? We've elevated people, and we've actually replaced people with God, and so we look to man to feed us. You bring me the word. I'm busy. You teach us. You go up the mountain before God. It's Old Testament stuff. Yeah, it was right then, but it ain't now. And what it does, instead of having the steeple, it has a flat line. And we all now are part of the solution. But that doesn't mean that we all have the same grace gifting. So we have to understand there's an order and a ranking, even though one's not better than the other. But when it comes to the formation, there is a ranking. And because we know that, the toe honors the first, the first honors the toe. And it all works. And it is beautiful. I've seen it. Like I've seen her. That's what I'm laying my life down for. To see what I've seen in the unseen in the scene. Is that what you're saying is revelation? What you've seen is what you're saying is revelation. Well, yes. But the whole thing is revelation, yeah? So God... Correct. 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 That's right. Correct. Like if you knew me, like if you really knew me, you'd know how significant what has happened here. Like if you really knew me, I was I was leading to take this church to try and reach lost people. And that's what I thought was the number one goal of God's heart to reach lost people. I have never, ever said that since the time I've had revelation. And I have never, ever gone back. And this whole church moved because of that revelation. This is the power. But see, I know that because I know what was in me. So I carry the greatest conviction to that because it was my conviction. 
but if you could know that, it's so significant mm. because it was going to take revelation to move mm. the conviction mm. because the conviction I had was also from him mm. of loving people. Mm. But it was in the leadership. It was in the way I was leading. Mm. I know I was fellowship from day one, mm. but in my leadership I was functional. And God had to say to me, Greg, they don't know me. So he had to make it this clear. Now, I knew that because I'd butted up against it all the time. Like, why is it so hard to motivate a church that say they love God to go and reach people with love? All the training in the world and no one turns up, but we profess to love God. So I knew it. Like, I knew it, but I didn't know it. Does that make sense? You know it, but you don't know it until he shows it to you. And he had to tell me, he said, why are you so passionate like, why are you so passionate? Takes you back. What happened, 1997? You revealed you in me. So you didn't come up with that, did you? No. I put it in you. Yeah. So lead them to me, son. And then the consequence of that was rest flooding me. As like Sam said, so now you live from rest, so it's a win-win. So the church got free of a functionally led leader and I got free from all the stuff that came with that it was awesome but then everyone that liked the functionally led leader (laughs) started to go well I quite liked you the way you were (laughs) so I'm sorry but I've been internally eternally changed by the living word of God so now I testify of another way it's called the great commandment Wow. And it's funny, eh? You know, you you can't necessarily on the outside, or you, you can't just see into someone's inner realm. But that's why, to me, testimony is so important because you're actually bringing to light what sits in you that has some real manifestations in practical ways. You actually genuinely live differently. But, but to me, this is like Jesus is God in the flesh. He has, he has God inside of him, you know. And yet, it says he comes to his own and his own didn't recognize him. They had no ability to actually see what it was that sat inside of him that was for them, you know. And even all the external manifestations in the world, even not, not just not just the miracles, but even the way that he lived and the love that he had for people wasn't enough for them to be able to recognize who he actually was and what it was that sat inside of him, eh? you know? And so to me, it just it highlights again that revelation really is the only thing that could unlock to them who he was and what he wanted to do in them, you know? Why, Sam? Why did they not recognize him? Even though he was doing all that stuff... Why did the people not? Yeah. Well, because they didn't have revelation of who he was. Yeah, but but what did they have when he turned up that got in the way? Oh, theoretical, prideful knowledge of who the Messiah, who they thought the Messiah should be. Correct. So they are looking through a lens that's already predetermined, and you don't look as you're supposed to look from what I think. You're supposed to look like because you're not supposed to be coming on a donkey, mate. You're supposed to be on a horse chopping up the Romans. 
you're not supposed to be a servant. You're supposed to be a king. Why, I am a king. Do you know me as king? See? So they had a mindset of what it was all going to look like. So instead of doing this and saying, speak. Now, admittedly, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Okay, but just go with me. Close your eyes. And Jesus said, as I hear, I judge. Not as I look. As I hear. And that ability to hear the frequency of this word that we're even talking about tonight, where it arrests you and apprehends you from a way. And so when he spoke, he said, those who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Now, as we know, they didn't, but they had a predetermined mindset through the visual. And that got us, and it gets us in trouble. Yeah. What are we doing, mate? Questions from group discussion? I don't know. 20 minutes? Do what, do want, what do you want to do? Yeah. I was going to say, do, do we want to do questions like this or in groups? People have questions that they want to ask? Um, I'd just like you to expand a little bit more on where you were just there about when I hear, I judge. And um, I guess I had it in my head what I was going to say, but it's gone now. But maybe if you could just expand on that, that would be good. So let's say we've all received the Spirit. okay? Because you obviously need the Spirit to hear the Spirit. You need to be of the kind to be able to hear the kind of word because none of us start of God's kind. We're all of the demonic kind. Yeah. So Jesus turns up. He rescues you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you now have his spirit living in you. Okay? So his word is spirit. Yeah. So it's not English. It's not Hebrew. It's not Aramaic. He used those languages to share the word of God, which is spirit. The whole thing is spirit. God is spirit. The Holy Spirit. Jesus is spirit. God is spirit. So it's a language on its own that firstly is heard because you can't see it because it's coming from an unseen place. That's why he said, you don't have a form of me, so because you can't see me, don't make a form of me in the form of man, animals, the moon, the stars. Well, look what we've done. Yeah? Whatever it is, we make images and we, there's, there's God. He's a water bottle. Yay. And why did you do that? Because you can't see him, so you hear through the natural and create. So hearing is the key to the whole thing. Hearing is the key to seeing. Yeah? And so this is why I said you've got to actually have the hearing of the spirit, but it's not natural hearing. Okay, so it's not naturally hearing what I'm saying. It's hearing what I'm not saying, but what I'm saying. You know, I've said to you guys, I wish there was actually a language. So then when I spoke in the language, you go, I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. But if you could hear it, you go, let me tell you what you just said. And you might say it differently, but you're basically saying the same thing. Okay? Sorry? 
well, this is, the, this is why we need one another, yeah? And this is why, yeah, we come to me and learn. So it's, a, it's not something that comes natural because it's of the Spirit. And so like anything, you've got to learn from the Spirit. You've got to learn from Christ. You need to spend the time and go to the school of the Spirit, you know? But in a world where we're too busy, oh, no, we'll just tick that box on a Sunday and we've done our Christian thing. No, this is a whole revolution of a brand new way of being, you know? And so it's like, okay, well, he tells me this. Everything comes from the unseen. So I don't look what's in the natural. I take my looking from the unseen. But it comes from a speaking. All right, so I have the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, you're in me, and you're to disclose. So I need you to help discern and disclose and help me hear what you are saying, the Father's saying. And look, I can't give you a formula for that. Yeah, It's not something I can write a book about in the sense of, but I can share what it looks like for me, but I can't give you the thing you need. And so the challenge is, see, this is where the brokenness thing comes in, because we all have to go through the same thing. It's called Christ, Christ crucified. Yeah. Well, I want a sign. Well, that ain't the way. Well, I want wisdom. Well, that ain't the way. This is the way to this life and this pasture beyond the cross. You see? So, and it happens in you. Yeah? It actually happens in you. The crucifixion happens in you. So when Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, he never got on the cross. So what's the man talking about? And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, so I am the living demonstration of the crucifixion. And so when Christ comes in the word, the eternal word comes and makes his home in your innermost being and you leave you've now just reconnected with earth and heaven and you've become one, you've now started the process of abiding to be able to hear, not as voice, the word which is back to what Joe said okay, because you cannot have that happen and still hear his voice and this is the mystery and we have to realize there's two things, not just one. And so all of a sudden now it's like you hear. And now the hearing for me can come through just eating and drinking. Okay, hear. And then it will come as I'm just listening to music. It will come as I'm driving. It will come now in the middle. It'll, it just comes. And it's not like you've got this formula. Sometimes you're not even asking. It just He just speaks. And so you share his thought, and you know it's him because it's him, because it hasn't come from you. So it's multifaceted, but you're developing this abiding because he started it. And so now it's growing because you have a reference for it. And so, and then all of a sudden, through hearing, you start seeing. Yeah? And they can almost be one thing at the same time as well. So the hearing, seeing. You know? And so when. He showed me her. Like I can, I can describe, I've described her, yeah? Like she's, she's, she's radiant, she's beautiful. I can see her right now. Once again, suits and gowns. It's not the men are wearing suits. It's not the women are wearing the gowns. And they're looking in the corner and she is beautiful. When he showed me, I said, what? He said, that is my bride. That's the goal, to become her. Well, that's based. But he had to show me through hearing and sight. So now I'm seeing I'm, I'm, my life is being defined by 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. I'm not walking by sight. I'm walking by faith. 
I'm walking by what I'm seeing here, not what I'm seeing here. See, so I'm walking by sight, but it's not natural sight. It's seeing in the spirit. So that's what happened to Noah. He built an ark because God showed him the unseen things. So I can't enter into that. Craig, what are you talking about? What drugs are you taking? So I go, come with me behind the wall. Okay? Now, I'm not physically going to go behind it, but I can see behind the wall because that's the invisible realm. And then I'm going to bring, because I'm looking at her from here into here, and I'm then going to speak of her that's sitting concealed. Because she's concealed from you if you haven't seen her, but it's for you. So I, as a disciple, am bringing what's concealed into the revealed, meaning into the earth. And the Holy Spirit's going... Well done. Now I, if I have hearts that are open who are hungry, I want to reveal, which is what Sam's saying, the Holy Spirit wants then to reveal that in your spirit, your soul, your mind. So he wants to show you. But that doesn't just happen like right now, but it could. Okay? So then the challenge is you hear of a reality, let's imagine that hasn't been revealed, and then God says, now what are you going to do with that? If I'm the revealer of all things and I want to lead you into all truth and I'm here, what are you now going to do? Well, I'm going back to life as normal because married at first sight's on at 10 minutes. I know. I like that program too. And I'm going to go watch that. And God's like going, okay, what's going to happen after that? Well, then I'm going to be tired. And then I'm probably going to have a cup of tea and go to bed. Okay, then what's going to happen on Monday? Well, then I've got work. And all of a sudden, what you heard is now a distant sound. Well, you still heard it, okay? But what happens to the one that doesn't hear and understand? The parable of the kingdom. Correct. So we must hear and understand, which is the Holy Spirit revealing what I heard. So hearing can create life. Oh my goodness, did you know there's a covenant called the marriage covenant? Oh my God, I've never known. Oh my. And you're excited. Okay? There's a joy. Oh, you tell everybody, but you don't get revelation. So in three weeks' time, what happens when the word comes? When persecution from the word comes, nothing. Or the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke what you heard and it says those who heard and understand not saw and understand heard and understand there was a fruit produced out of the one seed 30 60 100 fold now what's the parable talking about the kingdom of god and where's the kingdom of god initially starting within us So the kingdom of God is being birthed in you, which is Christ, the king of that kingdom, and his nature, his character, his power is being established in my heart and my mind. So if he's in me, guess what? I just walk in the manner in which he walked. Not because I'm trying, because I can. To the measure that's happening, and it's a growing measure, yeah? So it all comes through the hearing. And so it's like, that's not natural, is it? See, natural is seeing. I'm attracted to what I look at. And guys, this is why, and I'm, you know, like I said this morning, we're not to judge the people, but we are to judge the operating system. So don't be led astray by what you look at. Close your eyes. And the more you know the word, you'll hear the word. 
and you'll be able to discern. And it's not for the purpose of judgment, it's for the purpose of helping one another walk in life. But that doesn't mean it's not a reality. And we have to be able to say it for what it is without people going, you're judgy, you're judgy, you're judgy. No, I discern the operating system because I and we need a word that's eternal that's going to build. And you know, right, right in the middle of that parable of the seed and the sower, you know, it says these words: "To you, it's been given the the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, get everything in parables, so that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven." It's like, wow, you know, like that if, if you were to hear in the way that he's describing, you would turn and be forgiven. There's a particular kind of outcome attached to this kind of hearing, hey, you know. And so it has to be hearing that's more than just the words themselves because otherwise there's no response, hey, you know. So. Cool. Any other thoughts, questions before we... Finish up. Cool. It's been some pretty meaty stuff that's gone out. So, uh, you know, I think um, go in and listen again, not just we're talking about listening and playing it on repeat in your car, but actually allow what's been spoken. Allow yourself to meditate on on what it is that um, that's come out, and allow him to to really take and and infuse it into us, eating it um, until we become it. Eh? You know? I was just I just want to encourage you guys. Like I was having a chat with Mel, and I'm sure she won't mind me saying this. And we were talking the other week, and I said, how many times do you go and hear what's being said from the message? And she said, once. And I said, I would encourage you at least five to ten in the week. So before you come Sunday, you've marinated five to ten times in what's being said. See, it's about a hearing, and once ain't really enough. You know, you miss so much of what's being said. And so it's a constant, like, fill yourself with the word. So if this is the word of God, which I believe it is, and he wants this to get within you. So like we said, you've heard it, someone's excited, but then it dies. Like, soak yourself in it. You go, what does that look like, Greg? I go, well, you drive a car from A to B to go to work? Yeah, put it on. Do you go get groceries? Put it on. While you're doing your groceries, put some headphones in. Put it on. While you're doing dinner, have it playing. And consume yourself in him because it's him. You know, And just uh, while you're doing it, say, Holy Spirit, well, I'm playing my part. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. 
you say those who are hungry and thirsty come to you will never. And this is what it is. This is what I do. Now, I don't mean just my messages. I mean everybody's messages. So I'll take this tonight, and I will have listened to it ten times, even more, by the time I'm back here Sunday. And the Holy Spirit starts to show you stuff that you didn't know because you missed it. It's like, oh, my goodness. And all of a sudden, now your table's full with food. Like it never runs out. But it requires that level of discipline, maybe that level of desire, rather than just, oh, you once and then, you know, as you hear. So what you listen to and what you consume yourself in will shape so much of what you think and believe. So what you fill your mind with, he says it, it'll come out of you. So I just want to encourage you in that. You know, it's not a law. That's something that I do, but it's something I encouraged and challenged Mel to do as well. Who wants to pray?